Before Yahweh gives Israel the law, he says what? I've borne you up on eagles' wings, and I've brought you to myself. Before he sends Joshua into the promised land, he says what? I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. When he sends, right before he sends Jeremiah to deliver one of the hardest words he's getting ready to deliver to his people, he says what? Do not be afraid of them, for I am what? With you. When Jesus sends his disciples and he gives them the great commission, what's the last words he says? For lo, I will be, for behold, I am with you when? To the, always to the end of the age. When Jesus sends his spirit, he said, I will ask the Father and he will send another comforter who will what? Be with you. God knows how to comfort his people. If you read the Bible from beginning to end, in fact, he even calls himself what? Emmanuel, God with us. There is one of the, you trace the theme throughout the word of God, God is continually reminding us that he's with us. We're a skittish people. We get scared. We're tender. We're frightened easily. The church is just like Israel, and God is continually coming back to the fact that he's with us. He's for us. He will not forsake us. Daddy's here. We have to hand, we, the same message I give to my twins every single week, God is giving me. Because I'm scared and I can often feel in this life like I'm alone, like things are dark, like I don't have anywhere to turn. Even when I'm married, even when I'm loved, even when I'm a part of the church, I can go through seasons of despair. It's almost depression. Before I give this message this morning, I want to say, I have never battled depression in a way that I know many of my friends and family have. But I've been through dark seasons. And today, this morning, we're going to talk about despair. We're going to talk about depression. We're in week two of our Boast in the Lord series. Last week, we talked about making comparisons and about how comparisons steal our joy. Comparisons will hold us captive. It'll take a deadly grip to our joy, to our, joy, to our peace, to our hope. God commands us to do absolutely nothing without His presence and His power. And today we're going to talk about how God comforts us with that message. He's with us. We need to be comforted. I think that as Christians we understand that God is with us. Cognitively we understand that God is for us. Jesus died on the cross. But even for Christians, even for those who are in Christ Jesus, who are indwelled with the Holy Spirit... Our sin separates us from God. And even for those who are in Christ Jesus, we need to be comforted. And so this morning I want to talk about one thing, and that is every Christian confronts despair in this life. In fact, despair is our natural response to our sin and the sin of others. So before I begin, I want to say this. There are many people who battle depression... And it's psychological, it can be medical. And so I want to be careful before I begin with getting this out there. B 
Because you battle depression does not mean you are in unrepentant sin. But so long as we understand that depression and despair are the fruit of a sinful world. And so this book is the most practical book we could read when battling despair and depression. And so if you'll turn your Bibles to Psalm 86. Before we begin, I want to give you three men... Before we start reading, I want to give you three men who battled despair. One is Martin Luther. Martin Luther even had a German word he called despair, called Anfektungen, I think is how you would pronounce that. Here's what Martin Luther said when he battled depression. For more than a week I was close to the gates of death and hell. I trembled in all my members. Christ was wholly lost. I was shaken by desperation and blasphemy of God. Wow. Typical Luther quote. Here's Charles Spurgeon who also battled depression. There actually just came out a book. uh, There's an entire book written last year on Spurgeon's sorrows is what it's called. Here's what Spurgeon said about his depression. The mind can descend far lower than the body. For in it there are bottomless pits. The flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more. But the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over Again, each hour. That's deep. That sounds like a man who knows what depression is. Actually, I would, our, third, our third person is the Apostle Paul. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 1.8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. The reason I want to list these three men is because if you battle depression and despair, if you have a dark cloud looming over your head, you're not alone. This is pretty good company here. Some of the greatest men and women in the history of the church have battled depression. In fact, depression and despair, it's not an issue of have you, it's how have you dealt with it. The way we respond to darkness and depression in our lives is probably some of the best indications of what we actually believe and who we love. So without any further ado, if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, this is David in Psalm 86. And the Holy Spirit through David says, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord. Nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. 
You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, for they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see me and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Let's pray. Father, you are our comfort. You are our rest. And our souls have no satisfaction, they have no fulfillment until they rest in you. Father, I pray this morning that as we look at David's words in the Psalms, that we may be reminded of our helplessness, our inability to find lasting peace on this earth, and we may glory in Christ Jesus who is our eternal rest. And all these things we ask in your precious Son's name. Amen. Amen. This morning I want to try to draw out one message. If you're new to Haynes Creek, I try to do this every week. I try to boil down what I'm trying to say because sometimes I talk a lot and you can forget what my point was. This is what I'm trying to say this morning. There it is. When we come to the Lord as poor, needy sinners, instead of simply asking God for favors, we discover the glory, goodness, and love of God that fills our souls. I'm going to say that one more time. When we come to the Lord as poor, needy sinners, instead of simply asking God for favors, we discover the glory, goodness, and love of God that fills our souls. When I was in college, I only called home for two reasons. Um, I needed money or I did something and I wanted to prepare my mom and dad for whatever they were going to find out. Um, Usually it was because I needed money, which was kind of embarrassing for my mom who actually still works at the same bank she worked at uh, when I was in college. And I I had this really bad habit of overdrawing my account which could have been solved had we just given me sufficient money so that I didn't overdraw. Um, I'm sure it was no small amount of embarrassment for my mom because she, being at the, like the fifth floor, would have to come down to the first floor and like cover for it. Um, but, hey, it was a, it was a year, years of growing and maturing. Um, then I graduated from college. I think y'all have heard this story in different forms. But I, you know, I, needed, I, I didn't have a job. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, so guess where I came back home to? Home. I lived with my parents for a year. Um, really humbling experience. But something changed. See, now I didn't just have my hand out needing to be restocked by my parents. Now I had my, ha- my arms open. I needed them more than I ever did. In fact, that year, I grew more in my relationship with my parents than I had in 23 years of being their son. It was really remarkable. And the reason was, is I actually had to spend time with my parents. I actually had to get to know them. 
I needed them now. It wasn't like I was calling home and asking uh, just to be resupplied. Now I actually had to come with arms wide open and they had to um, give me everything. And the reason I think that our relationship went so well is because before I just needed them to give me what I needed. But now um, I was desperate. And um, that was actually some of, the most, some of the most memorable years of my life. Today, I think that a lot of people treat God like college students calling back home for money. I ran out. Can you help me? And I think that God is waiting upon far too many sinners to put away the hand and to just open their arms. And despair and depression, as awful as it is, it strips away our love of the world and it makes us come face to face with how helpless we are. And I think oftentimes we need to see that despair and depression, the silver lining there is that God often brings upon despair and depression in the lives of His people so they can stop and put away the hand and come home. Let's read the first seven verses of what David says in in Psalm 86. He's pleading. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. You know, David's not just like some needy college student calling home. David's just happy that God's picking up the phone. In fact, if you look here, look how many times David describes his pleas to God. Incline your ear, answer me, be gracious to me, I cry all the day, I call upon you, give ear to my prayer, listen to my plea for grace, I call upon you for you answer me. David's just thankful to be talking to the Lord. He's just, he's just thankful that he has the, the patch line where he can actually talk to the king of kings. In fact, David is just thankful that he can utter his cries to God. The problem today is we, we know how to talk to God, but we're not crying, we're complaining. We don't need him. We need to be resupplied, we need to be restocked, we need God to do us favors, but we're not desperate yet. In fact, I would go, I've had a week, I've had a month where my wife has uh, had cancer and my mom was diagnosed three weeks ago with breast cancer. And praying to God after, after that is different than just saying your prayers before you go to bed. Praying, praying before you go to bed is good. But I think God is honored and praised and glorified in our most desperate of prayers. When we need Him, when we trust in Him, when we depend on Him. Prayers are acts of worship. Because we come to Him as needy sinners. All who, come upon, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. They will find comfort. They will find rest. The problem is, too seldom do we actually call upon the Lord. 
I actually want to read here 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. Lydia read it. This is what he says about, this is Paul finding the silver lining in despair. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Now read verse 9. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So sometimes we catch the best glimpse of faith when we're needy. We catch the, 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 the essence of trusting God when we're in darkness. We learn to cry. We learn to have faith. We learn to trust. But those who are not found in Jesus do not have the assurance that God is concerned with their prayers. Have you ever thought about that? If you are not in Christ Jesus, God does not hear your prayers the same way as He does His children. I, um, as many of you know, we had a broken heater at the Todd house. I'm sure I've said this a thousand times. It's been an ongoing saga. Um, every time it went below 30 degrees, I would wake up in the night, I would just kind of listen to see if it was still working. Um, but it works now. Thank goodness. Um, we had people come out, and they came nine times. Nine times. I was, I was this close. I'm not the guy that puts things on Facebook. I was this close to putting something on Facebook and just saying, can someone fix the heater? Anyone. Um, I won't give the name of the company. But uh, they fixed it. They, tried to th- they, they came three times, couldn't fix it. Came another time, couldn't fix it. It was four times. So I called them the, 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 like the fourth time it, it broke. And I said, bring your best guy. Bring the guy. I don't know who he is, the boss man, the guy who founded the company. Get him here, please. I will pay him whatever it costs. I'm cold. And he couldn't fix it either. He, he came out to me. He's like, bro, I, I, I can't fix it. I went, so this really happens. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a point at which they can't fix it anymore. I, just, I didn't know that. Um, so I called a guy who could fix it, David Gunter. A little promotion for David Gunter. The guy came out. Of course, he had to come about five more times. Turns out, they went up in the attic. They went up in the loft or whatever. They fixed the damper. They fixed the leak. They fixed the ventilation. They fixed the outside panel. Turns out, they were fixing all the other stuff, but they had to come back to the very first thing. Little piston that big. Ruin the rest of the stuff. They had fixed, and it cost me an amount of money that I wish I did not have to pay. But it turns out that one little piston is what broke everything else in my house. Right there at the very beginning in the outside unit. I'm sure Robbie Schrader is just going, well, if you come to me, I would have told you that. (laughs) But here's my point. When he came and told me that, he goes, you know what, I found your problem. I said, what is it? And I looked up, he goes, no, 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 it's right here, this thing. I said, that's, that's, what, that's nine, nine times worth, that, that right there. He said, yep. They fixed just about everything you can fix in a house, and in the end, they had to come back to the very first thing, and it fixed everything else. And I think millions of people do the exact same thing when things go wrong in their life. They fix everything else 
They change everything else. They address everything else in their life when God is simply calling them to go back to the very first thing. They'll read books. They'll join groups. They'll start praying. They'll start going to church. They'll start eating right. Everyone wants to change their life to fix their life when in fact God is calling them to settle things with Him first, calling them back to the gospel first so that they can eventually fix everything back in their life. And the point is not that Christ will heal every aspect of your life. The point is this. Without Christ, there is no peace, there is no hope, there is no righteousness, and there is no joy in your life. The life that Christ lived for me sustains me through the life that I live for Him. If we have not trusted in Jesus to save our souls and then in the next life, we have little to no hope of having peace in this one. What's amazing when I came home to my parents is that I actually needed them. And when I started to need them, when I started to actually care about them, when I actually got to know my mom and dad, they were actually cool people. Prayer is not phoning home. Prayer is an act of worship. It's funny. David, in his prayer, David doesn't want the blessings of God. David doesn't want the people of God. David wants God. God is going to satisfy David. And I think far too many times, I think when, when I see this happen, again and again and again, people will be in the worst season of their life and they need companionship. They need people to listen. They need friends. Those are good things. But those things are only meant to point us back to God, Christ. The church will not settle and satisfy. The church will not get you out of the darkest point of your life. The church is only meant to point you to Jesus. Let's, pick, let's actually go to verse 8 through 12. I want to listen to this. This is, this is a man worshiping Jesus. Here we go. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name. Forever. So David doesn't just want to receive God's blessings. He doesn't want to just hang out with God's people. He wants God. I'll tell you, when I'm away from my wife for a long time, what I miss most is not my wife's cooking, although I do miss that. What I miss most is not just my, the memory of my wife. I miss my wife. My wife is who comforts me when I come home. And it's the very same thing with God's people. God's people are comforted by Jesus Christ. And if they're not, they're not comforted at all. We have to continually remind ourselves to come back to the gospel because the gospel is what saves, but the gospel is also what comforts the people of God. It never gets old. And so I want to confess this morning... um, I wake up sometimes, I don't know if this is you, and I, and I don't want to make light of those who, who struggle deeply with depression, um, but I wake up sometimes, and I, uh, I just want to go back to bed, and I, and I don't want to get up for a whole day. Um, I wake up sometimes, and I have this black cloud, and for anyone who's ever been through despair, despair is not 
rational. There's no reason to be sad. Um, But I've had many, many days in my life where I feel like a worthless person. I feel like, and I'll, I'll wake up right next to a wife who loves me, and I'll wake up across the hall from two beautiful children that God has given me, and I feel like I'm nothing. I don't know if anyone else has mornings like that. Um, and then I'll tell Kelly about it, and um, once I hear myself say what I'm feeling, I'm going, oh, I can't believe that's in my heart. But it's dark. And I'm telling you all, it happens more frequently than you might think. And the reason I wanted to express that this morning is because I think a lot of people in our church feel like they feel a certain way and no one else does. And uh, that's a lie. And secondly, I wanted to express that because when I come out of the clouds, and for me, I don't know if it's for you all, being outside helps me. I don't know if that's a big thing. I just I like being around trees and stuff. Um, when I come out and I'm in the, in the light, um, I'll think and I'll go, why did I ever think that? Why did those thoughts come into my head? Why did that feeling come about in my heart? And... When I do that, I go, you know what? I think God orchestrated that. I think God sends us, and in fact, I know God sends us through dark places so that when we get out, we can come back to Him. And most importantly, I'll say this. If the the times in my life where I read the Bible the, the most voraciously, Hungrily is when I'm depressed. And I would say, go so far as to say this, if we come through dark seasons of our life and we don't go to the Word, we're wasting it. I'm telling y'all, when I read the Bible depressed, I crave it. I'm hungry for it. When I read, I'm telling you, I think I'm, I just read Psalm 86 uh, a couple months ago, and I came to Psalm 86, and, and I read about the great is your steadfast love, O Lord. And I'm like, oh my gosh, David felt what I felt. He was in darkness. He had people that were after him. He felt like he was, his life was in danger. He felt like he was in a dark place, and God had cast him away. He felt like he was alone. And I feel like I came across this quote from Martin Luther, and it just encouraged me. Um, and I wanted to share this quote because I feel like in a lot of ways, this is how Haynes Creek should feel when we go through dark places. Martin Luther said this, No one should be alone when he opposes Satan. The church and the ministry of the word were instituted for this purpose, that hands may be joined together and one may help another. If the, if the prayer of one doesn't help, the prayer of another will. I want to talk to my small group leaders. Small group leaders, that is your job. If the only time you as a small group leader are contacting or talking or, or, or praying for the people in your group, you're not doing your job. If you in this church are not praying for the people here, we should be a battering ram for the kingdom of God. There are so many people in our church who have lives and they're, they're afraid to talk about them. 
There are so many people in our church who are plagued with depression and doubt and fear. We are here at the church to do two things. We're here to pray for our people and we're to bring them back to the promises of God so that we can go back into the word. That's how we're sustained. Charles Spurgeon said this, Personally, I also bear witness that it has been to me in seasons of great pain superlatively comfortable to know that in every pain which racks his people, the Lord Jesus has a fellow feeling. We are not alone, for one like unto the Son of Man walks the furnace with us. I wanted to end with the last three verses in chapter 86. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see me and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. And so I think a lot of people in our church struggle Bobby, I don't know how to pray and worship God. And I want to say this morning, I think that when we come to pray to the Lord as needy, dependent sinners, that is worship. So when you pray this week, pray something like, Father, I am unable and you are able. I am weak, but you are strong. I am helpless, but you are mighty. You are able to do the things that you say you can do. Father, I cannot solve this problem but you are able father and then going back to the cross of jesus christ and saying father i know what you've done for me in jesus i know the good plans you have for me i know the promises that you have said yes in christ jesus and father i have hope in you and you alone when we pray those needy prayers god is glorified i was thinking this week about the difference between people in hell and people on earth people in hell despair people in hell feel like God is not there people in hell feel like God has abandoned them and they are alone and they're right God does not concern with them their prayers God is not concerned with their well-being they are alone but here on earth for those who are in Christ Jesus God can actually turn our despair into faith God can actually use our aloneness and our solitude and turn it into his glory. And so on this earth, when we feel alone, when we feel like God doesn't hear us, when we feel like we're on our own completely, we have to remember that oftentimes God is bringing about the cloud that allows us to worship him. And so this morning... I wanted to end with, we are just like Moses, we are just like Jeremiah, we are just like Joshua. When God calls us to do things in our lives, never will he call you to do anything that you are asked to do under your own power and under your own will. God God has called us never to do anything on our own, and he has promised us that wherever we are going and whatever we're asked to do, he will be there with us. And that should be our comfort. This morning, if you're going through a a dark time in your life, this morning, if you feel like no one understands you and you're fearful and you're tender and you, you don't feel like anyone would understand, the first step is not to find a friend. The first step is to find comfort in Jesus. 
And if we do that, God is glorified and we will find rest for our souls. Let's pray. Father, we are a weak, needy people. And our souls will never find rest unless we find them in you. I ask this morning, Father, for those who are being attacked spiritually, for those who are depressed, for those who are um, in a hard time in life. I pray that you would give them faith to call upon the Savior. That they would find their good and their pleasure and their fulfillment and that you would be glorified. And all these things we ask in your precious Son's name. Amen.